Hello and welcome to the East Baltimore Graffiti Church's podcast. We are so excited to have you join us today. If you have any questions or comments, please email us at ebgraffitichurch at gmail.com or you can check us out on our website at ebgraffitichurch.org. Romans chapter 8. We will be in verses 17 through 25 today. So, so here is a question for us this morning, or a statement and a question uh, from Douglas Moore, a theologian who's helping me get through uh, the book of Romans with us. Uh, he says this, How can the Christian maintain hope for eternal life in the face of suffering and death? How can those who have been set free from the law of sin and death still die? How can God's very own dearly loved children suffer? We're going to explore uh, some of that. I'm not going to say we're going to answer these questions effectively, uh, but we're going to explore what the Word of God says here in Romans chapter 8 about that. Uh, so there is an author and a Christian uh, professor, and his name is um, Jerry Sitzer. And he has one of the most uh, incredible, heartbreaking, unnerving, and glorious stories that I've ever heard in my life. So, Jerry Sitzer has a wife, his mom is visiting, they have four children, and they're going um, to a powwow. They're literally going to a Native American, I believe a Navajo powwow. And so... They drive out, the powwow is like wonderful, man, they're excited, the kids are going wild, it's something he and his wife enjoy. They all get in the van together as a family to go home. On the way home, they were in a head-on collision with a driver who was uh, under the influence of alcohol. And during that accident, his wife, his mother, and his four-year-old daughter died in the accident. He and his other three children survived. And he writes a book, and, and, and Diane and I are reading the book now, uh, A Grace Disguised. How can you, how does one deal with that type of suffering in life? How does one lose a spouse, their mom, and three children in the blink of an eye and continue to say, Praise God, the Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. How, how does one do that? And this guy is so brutally honest. He's a theologian, right? A Christian college professor. And he talks about how far he felt from God during times in his suffering. But he writes this beautiful book. And he says how he has, and, and I understand this a little bit now, these painful, joyful memories at the same time. But how does one experience that kind of suffering? And you're like, really, Pastor? That's what we're going to talk about this morning? But how does one, or, or you think about the Apostle Paul who is writing this letter. My goodness, I would have quit. I, I would have quit. Forget Job. Job had it rough, man, but Apostle Paul, man, this dude was shipwrecked. He was hungry. They lowered him over walls in the middle of the night. He was locked up in prison and beaten. He was stoned the kind with big rocks where they hit you until you die. He was, he was stoned almost to death and among many other things I'm sure I'm not even getting them all 11 of the 12 apostles of Jesus were martyred history has it. We're talking about very real suffering and you're saying thank you pastor why did I come to church today? 
We hear what the Word of God says in Romans chapter 8. I'll start in, I should start in verse 18, but we must do this this morning. Verse 17, last week. See, this is where the Apostle Paul slips one in on us. We're having this great celebration. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Amen? Right. We're celebrating, right? I am no longer enslaved to the law of sin and death. I've been freed. Everybody says amen. It's a celebration. And then I find out that I'm adopted. I'm adopted. I'm a beautiful stepchild. I am adopted by the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. I am his child, and that can never change. And we all say amen. But then, listen, he slips one in on us in verse 17. He says, and if children, heirs also heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ. If indeed we suffer with him so that we may also be glorified with him. Listen, that conditional statement there does not say that if we suffer, oh no. It's a statement that says, oh, you are going to suffer, follower of Jesus. Now listen, I used to believe that this was like the persecution, um, and we, you've ever read um, Voice of the Martyrs or you've read some of the stories of men and women who bravely, um, bravely given their lives for their faith. But the word here in the Greek language is a word for all suffering in general. So here we go. Verse 18, Paul says, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that is to be revealed to us. For the anxious longing of the creation waits eagerly for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope. That the creation itself also will be set free from its slavery to corruption into the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation groans and suffers the pains of childbirth together until now. And not only this, but also we ourselves, having the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves groan within ourselves, waiting eagerly for our adoption as sons, the redemption of our body. For in hope we have been saved, but hope that is seen is not hope. For who hopes for what he already has? But if we hope for what we do not see or have, with perseverance, we wait eagerly for it. May God bless the reading of his word this morning. So this morning we're going to see three things. In short, if you're taking notes, you know i got to give them to you up front because that's the only way I'll remember, okay? So we're going to see three important things this morning. One, one that suffering is temporary. The suffering is temporary. That will not minimize suffering, but it is temporary. Number two, glory is eternal. Glory is eternal. Number three, number three, for for, for lack of uh, for lack of what I am as a pastor, we're going to say persevering in hope for number three. So suffering is temporary. Glory is eternal persevering in hope. Those are the three things we're going to talk about here. So Paul makes this statement in verse 18, and he spends the rest of the time in 19 through 25 explaining what he's talking about, okay? So, 
He says the suffering of this present time cannot even begin to compare with the glory that's to be revealed to us. Now, several of the versions I've read said, some say to us and some say in us, and I really prefer in us. So, so God is going to reveal, God is going to reveal His glory in you, follower of Jesus. How will that be? This whole passage is about eternity. It's about the fact, so, so yes, followers of Jesus, you will suffer, but he's going to talk about this redemption of our bodies. He's going to talk about our final adoption. So I read the passage and I say, hold up, we've already been adopted. Yes, we have and no, we haven't, right? So, you know, with the Apostle Paul in his writings, you're going to hear about this already and not yet tension in all of Paul's writings. So God has done this already and it is a truth now. And we are living into that truth but he's also not finished doing what he's doing, okay? So this is Paul's already but not yet tension uh, in this passage. So, verse 18, he says his glory will be revealed in us, and he says, and he brings this up when he starts this section of um, teaching in Romans chapter 5. This Romans 5 through 8, some say 5 through 11, but is this unit of teaching Remember, we talked about this in verses 2 and 3. Uh, he says, Through whom also we have obtained our introduction by faith into this grace in which we stand, and we exult in the hope of the glory of God. So here we have hope and God's glory in the beginning of this section in chapter 5. And we talked about that, right? Because standing in God's grace is so important to who you are as a follower of Jesus. Because I... I enter into God's favor when I become a follower of Jesus, and that never changes. It starts at that point, and then I am standing in God's favor for eternity, for the rest of this earthly life, and for eternity. God's favor is not based on my behavior. Oh, that sounds good, y'all. Can y'all hear that? God's favor is not based on my behavior. So I am standing in God's grace. Why? Because I am His child. But he throws in here, he says, we exalt in hope of the glory of God in Romans 5, 2. And not only this, and Paul's a good one, right? He, he, he uses this phrase a lot, and not only this. Or as my friend Mike used to say, but wait, there's more. You know, late at, late at night when you're watching these commercials, I can't help it, y'all, right? And you can get the Ronco nose hair trimmer for $19.99. Y'all see, I know y'all say, oh yeah, he needs one of those. And then right, you think the commercial is over, and he says, but wait, there's more. <laughs> and for no additional charge, you can get a second one, right? So here's the Apostle Paul. He says, and not only this, but we also exult in our tribulations or in our sufferings, knowing that tribulation brings about perseverance, perseverance, proven character, and proven character hope. And hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts already through Jesus Christ our Lord. So Paul's really not just bringing this on them in Romans chapter 8, although he did slip that suffering in there in the end of verse 17. Paul already told them in chapter 5, look guys, you're going to go through it. You're going to go through it. I love the honesty of living, of the honesty of my friends in Baltimore City. I see I, when I'm out and about, hey, how you doing? Pastor, I'm going through it. And maybe they just trust me because I'm their pastor or because I'm a pastor. 
Um, but they said, Pastor, I'm going through it. You know what? We are. You're going through it. I'm going through it. I told y'all, right, we all live in three conditions. One, you're in the middle of a trial. Two, you just came out of a trial. Or three, you're getting ready to enter into a trial. Say, oh, Pastor, you're really encouraging us this morning, right? Right, right. Man, somebody throw this guy out of here. But, but so Paul says, listen. He says, well, listen, there is a purpose in suffering. There's a purpose in suffering. So then, uh, in our text here, we see that suffering is real. We're going to have trials. We're going to have tribulations. Uh, I'm just going to throw a caution to the wind here a little bit this morning and, and share with you. I, I read a book in March uh, called Spiritual Depression by D. Martin Lloyd-Jones. He's a pastor, he's a theologian, and a medical doctor. And in a series of 21 sermons, he diagnoses, he does diagnosis and prescription of depression. And I'm telling you what, man, this guy, you want to talk about blowing away for real, this guy got me. And he wrote an entire chapter on this passage of scripture. And I'm going to take a stab at it. Um, I'm going to take a stab at it here and share something with you. So remember... The Holy Spirit, right, has delivered me from the law of sin and death. Um, the power of the Holy Spirit raised Jesus Christ from the dead. He says here, then finally, of course, the Holy Spirit within us reminds us of our destiny. See, this is a kingdom thing that Paul is talking about here. Yes, you're going to suffer right now, but then God is going to share His glory with you because of Jesus forever. Okay, shut up and read, right? So, reminds us that if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. That is the way to look at the Christian life. Paul constantly uses this argument and frequently ends up by saying what he says so gloriously in those last two verses, last two verses of Romans chapter 8. The Christian is absolutely certain of his destiny. He is persuaded beyond any doubt that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature, comma, take a breath, shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen? So you see then, Paul talks about this suffering, and then he's going to go on in the rest of the chapter, and he does, and he says, and in the same way, the Spirit helps me when I get weak in verse 26. Verse 27, the Spirit will pray for me. Then verse 28, and we know that God, so even in suffering, we know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to His purpose. So we see that Paul is explaining that our suffering has purpose. I don't know. I don't know what God's purpose is for losing a loved one in Baltimore City to death or violence, to addiction, to violence. I, I don't understand fully God's purposes, but, and I wrestled, I really wrestled hard with the sovereignty of God here personally, me, Charlie, um, recently. And I said, God, what are your purposes in the death of a loved one? God, what are your purposes in my suffering? And Paul reminds us, Paul reminds us that suffering is not unique to Charlie Brown. That every human being who has ever entered this world has suffered. 
has suffered something at some time in their lives. So suffering is not unique to what Charlie Brown has experienced or is experiencing. Does that diminish my does that diminish my compassion for you or for others? Absolutely not. Does my heart hurt when your heart hurts? Yes, it does. Sometimes do I still cry out to God in anger or disappointment? Yes, I do. These are some of the things that we do when we're honest and when about our own suffering. There is the occasional amazing saint who seems to get it all right, but I don't know him. So, no, seriously, I, this suffering is not unique to me or to you. You say, Pastor, that, that's a harsh, that's kind of a harsh statement. Yeah, it is. But um, Paul reminds us of that as well. So, as we continue, uh, for the anxious longing of the creation waits eagerly for the revealing of the sons of God. So again, Paul uses this language, children of God, sons of God. There is going to come this time that he explains in a couple of verses that this world that has been altered by sin, what was beautiful, um, meant to last forever, is now finite. Sin has marred everything. So the creation is waiting anxiously for this revelation. And what is this revealing that he's talking about? It is when Christ comes back and the children of God. Um, remember, the dead in Christ will rise first. Um, and the archangel will come with a shout and the dead in Christ will rise first. And then those who are alive and remain will be caught up with them in the air. Listen, Jesus Christ is coming back. And the second time, this time when he comes back, he's not coming as a suffering servant. He's coming as a countering king. Amen. So when he comes back, eternity will be and the glory of God will be revealed in you who are followers of Jesus Christ. God's glory will be revealed in you. It says, for well, the creation was subjected to futility. Listen, all we got to do is go back to Genesis chapter 3, right? What did God tell Adam when they sinned? He said, he said, boy, you've done it now. No, God said, you're going to work the ground by the sweat of your brow. There's going to be thorns and thistles. You're going to have pain. You're going to get tired. This is my paraphrased version of Genesis chapter 3. He told Eve, you're going to bear children in pain. I, I don't know. Okay, wow, I better be careful here. I don't know what childbirth was supposed to be before the fall, but God makes it very clear what childbirth is going to be like post-fall. And you will bear children. And then he says, look, and I made you from dirt, and you're going to go back to the dirt in your body. And so the fall, this futility, all of creation is groaning. Some say, is he talking about the world itself? We know that this particular physical world will not last for eternity. I believe he's talking about every person that has ever been created uh, throughout, the, uh, uh, throughout history. But he says, uh, but because of him who subjected it, listen, God subjected his own creation to this frustration and futility because of sin. This speaks to the sovereignty of God. I don't understand that. That's what I wrestle with the most in my life. And say, well, pastor, you're supposed to know better. No, I don't. I don't understand. If you understand God's sovereignty fully, you come and explain it to me. You write the book and I'll publish it. And, and we get some money, right? Amen. I know that there's a certain amount of understanding, and yet God himself subjected his own creation to futility and frustration because of sin. But look, so the picture is still a little bleak here. 
and then he says, but, or that, 21, the creation itself also will be set free from its slavery to corruption into the freedom of the glory of the children of God. Again, that very glory that's going to be revealed in you, follower of Jesus. Corruption ends when Christ comes back, when you have received your eternal body, when it is time for the followers of Jesus Christ throughout history to spend eternity in his presence. Remember, verse 17, we are children of God. He, re, he, he reinforces that twice in the next part of this passage. And he says, for we know that the whole, and he repeats himself, um, and I'm glad because so do I sometimes, verse 22, because we know that the whole creation groans and suffers the pains of childbirth together until now. John chapter 16, we have to do this. You guys know I really exercise what little bit of self-control I have. I use it up, not Bible jumping when we're preaching on Sunday mornings. But listen to what Jesus says in John chapter 16, in John chapter 16, verses 20 through 22. By the way, uh, what is he talking? He's talking about his death. He's talking about the work and role of the Holy Spirit. And listen to what he says, verse 20. Truly, truly, I say to you, you will weep and lament but the world will rejoice, you will grieve, but your grief will be turned to joy. Amen? Amen. Whatever, whenever a woman is in labor, she has pain because her hour has come. But when she gives birth to the child, she no longer remembers the anguish because of the joy that a child has been born into this world. Therefore, you too have grief now but I will see you again, says Jesus, and your heart will rejoice, and no one, no one will take away your joy from you, amen? So you see, suffering is temporary. We're starting to see now that glory is eternal. And he says, we ourselves having the first fruits of the Spirit, even we groan. Listen, you are groaning, follower of Jesus, and look, those of you who are no longer 25, 30 years old, this body's groaning a little bit lately. Let me tell you about it. Just a little bit, okay? We have that kind of groaning going on too. And look, when you get on the backside of, I don't know, I'll just say 50 and be nice to some of y'all. You get on the backside of 50, spend eternity with Jesus, it just keeps getting brighter and brighter every day. My dad used to say that, and I said, wow, these old folks got some sayings, don't they? <laughs> well, guess what? Now it's my turn, okay? So I am looking forward to spending eternity with Christ. I am looking forward to God sharing his glory with me because of Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. 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 So verse 23, we groan, and we eagerly await um, for our adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. Listen, we already talked about 1 Thessalonians 4.13. But so here, when we talk about the fact that glory is eternal, well, you said, hold up. Paul said we were already adopted. What's going on here? Again, it's that already but not yet theology of the Apostle Paul. Yes, you have been adopted. But just like the Word of God says that the Holy Spirit has been given as a pledge or a down payment, well, our adoption is the same way. When you become a follower of Jesus Christ, you're adopted into God's family. You're his forever child. That will never change. But there's going to come a day when the adoption is complete. Amen? The adoption is complete. Amen. That's right. 
there's someone who's no longer 25, 30 years old clapping, right? Uh, and, uh, so, so there's coming that time, right, when Christ comes back, we are called together, suffering will be no more. Amen? That's what Paul is saying in this verse. We are going to share in the glory of God forever because of Jesus Christ. Amen? But listen, we can't get out of this. We can't get out of this this morning without talking about hope. And I love this. For in hope, he says in verse 24, we have been saved. But hope that is seen is not hope. So, so I don't like the word see there. I like the word have. But so, if I already have something, am I still hoping for it? No, of course not. When I was 16 years old, I was hoping for this 1971 Camaro. It, it was the ugly, it was orange as that fan back there. And it had a 350 rebuilt engine in it with a four-speed um, transmission. And I wanted that, that big wide tubbed out tires in the back, and I wanted that car. And my dad said, you're not having that car. Well, I went to bed every night for a month dreaming about that car. My dad knew I'd wrap it around a tree in five minutes and kill everybody within 100 yards. So my dad wouldn't let me have that car. I hoped for that car. That dream for me was never realized. Now listen, don't feel sorry for me. My first car was a 1966 Mustang. But it was not, it was not that eight and a half second 1970 Camaro, right? Yeah, don't feel sorry for me. But so this hope, I love the Bible's definition and how Paul uses, and the writer of Hebrews uses, uh, explains this hope to us. Hope is not like I'm hoping I hit the lottery or I hope I make it home today without falling out in this heat. This is a hope that I'm looking forward to something that I'm almost, that I'm certain is going to happen. That is our hope in Christ, okay? We have this pledge, this down payment, the Holy Spirit inside us, that even though we're going through stuff now, that God has said, I'm adopting you as my children, but there's coming a time when it's going to be fully realized. So, okay, 2 Corinthians 4.18 says it better than me, so I'll limit my words and not get in trouble. 2 Corinthians 4.16-18 um, should be really encouraging. Therefore, we do not lose heart. But though our outer man is decaying, our inner man is being renewed day by day. For momentary light affliction is producing for us an eternal weight of glory far beyond all comparison. Ooh, thank you. All right, amen. A weight of glory far beyond all comparison. I have picked up C.S. Lewis's weight of glory and read a few pages. But I gotta be honest with you, y'all. I need to go up in Jesus a little more before I finish that one. If any of you have read it, uh, you can help me out. But so, so he says, while we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Much better definition of hope, amen? Okay, last definition of hope, Hebrews chapter 11. Y'all know I was going there, right? couple of you might already be there. Hebrews 11.1. 1. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. For by it the men of old gained approval. Look, the prophets, the prophets of old 
didn't get to realize and see Jesus Christ in the flesh or experience salvation through Jesus Christ. They simply had to believe what the what the other prophets were telling them. They had to believe in Moses' revelation from God. They had to believe what Isaiah and Jeremiah said. But yet, they had this hope in them. They had faith in God that produced a hope for the future that caused them to have their names written in the Bible's Hall of Fame in Hebrews chapter 11. Amen? But I'm not going to lie to you. Uh, if that book was a thousand pages, I still wouldn't be at the end of it. But these great men and women are an example of what it is like to live a faithful life in hope of what is to come. So Paul says, suffering is temporary, glory is eternal, and he tells us in verse 25, but if we hope for what we do not see or have, with perseverance we wait eagerly or earnestly for it. This is not a passive waiting around type of thing. This is eagerly expecting that Jesus Christ could come back at any moment and everything that Paul talked about in this passage would be realized in an instant. We will physically be adopted. We will physically have that redemption of our physical bodies. We will be in eternity with Christ. And then when we look back, the suffering of this life will seem so short and so temporary. And someone says, Pastor, you don't know what I go through. And you know what? You're right. I don't. I don't. But I know that what Paul says here in the Word of God is true. I know that the Holy Spirit will keep you. I know that if you persevere and look forward to that hope, that, 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 that you will... Yeah. Wow, I just left that quickly, y'all. I blame on the heat. That you will share in God's glory for eternity. So, this hope perseverance. He used that word in chapter 5. He uses that word in chapter 8. Perseverance. I think we only persevere in the Holy Spirit. Amen? I think the Holy Spirit gives us the strength. And the power is in the shed blood of Jesus Christ and His resurrection. Amen? So, so if you're going through it today, if you say, look, this has been the worst season of my life. Listen to suffering. The best comfort I have for you is what we have read in the Word of God today. And I hope and I pray that you're a follower of Jesus Christ so that you can look forward to sharing in God's glory. So that you can have this hope in you. Remember what he said in 1 Corinthians, this hope produces a joy. This hope produces a joy. The writer of the book says we have joyful, painful memories in some of our suffering. Right? If you've lost a loved one, you know what that type of suffering is. And that paradox there is, is, is just something that I'm really trying to live into myself. So, have you been adopted? Are you God's child? Have you, have you called on Jesus as your Savior? Are you God's child yet? Is today that day for you? Or, or, or follow Jesus, are you suffering, struggling, going through a trial? This is what Paul says. This is our hope. We're going to share in God's glory. I want you to be hopeful, to be encouraged. If you wrestle with, with chronic pain or disease that you, that you just are afraid you might not overcome in this life, I do not say this callously, but you do have a future and a hope to look forward to in Jesus Christ where there will be no more pain and there will be no more tears. Amen? 
Let's go to prayer this morning. Father God, this morning we thank you for the truth of your word, even on this warm Sunday afternoon, Lord God. I pray, I pray, Lord God, that one today will will want to know you as Lord and Savior, that one today will humble himself or herself and confess their sins to you and cry out to you, recognizing that you are the sovereign creator of the universe, that you are the Lord God of eternity, and that you love them and you want to adopt them as your child. And Father God, for the believer, the Christian today, Lord God, who needs encouragement, who is suffering, who has pain, Father God, I pray that the truth of your word encourages them. Father God, I pray that they feel loved today through your Holy Spirit. Mostly, Lord, I pray that we will grow through our understanding of your word through the Holy Spirit. This morning we worship, we continue to worship you, and thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Morgan's going to come and lead us in some worship. If this is a time of commitment for you, and if you bow your head and pray, and you ask Jesus to forgive you of your sins, or you ask Jesus to be your Savior today, I, I pray that afterwards you will come up and you will share that with me or, or with Morgan or Diane so that we can love on you and pray for you. Christian, if God is calling you to, to a new spiritual growth or surrender or just something in your life that you want some prayer, I'm going to wait up here after the service and I would love to pray with you.